If you're an occupational therapist looking to develop your skills in hand therapy, this podcast is for you. Your host, Huang Tron, occupational therapist and certified hand therapist turned serial entrepreneur with her own therapy clinic in Miami. Huang is an author and successful coach helping occupational therapists get jobs, develop their skills, and become certified hand therapists so they can become experts in their area. Huang works with occupational therapists from across the United States and around the world. She talks about everything from hand therapy skills, career development, leadership skills, money mindset, and business. You too can become an expert certified hand therapist, business owner, and have more choices in your career. Subscribe now. Hey there, it's Wong with Hand Therapy Secrets and welcome to my show. I am here every week to showcase to you a story of therapists that are breaking into hand therapy and making waves. And also to share with you other specialties that can really, really help support us in hand therapy world and even tips that you can use and skills that you can use right away. So today, what I wanna share with you is my friend Aaron. He is a physical therapist in Jacksonville and he specializes in functional manual therapy um, treatments and he's gonna share with you some great things you can start doing right away with shoulder types of injuries and share his story how he works very collaboratively with other occupational therapists in his area. Enjoy the show. Hey Aaron, so wonderful to have you on the Huang Show. I still don't have a full, full title for my quote unquote show, but this show is all about um, connecting uh, occupational therapists or physical therapists who want to specialize and hand and upper extremity um, to other therapists to learn different techniques. And um, I'm really excited to talk to you today because you are specialized in something very specific. And I want to um, let other OTs and PTs know about it. So tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you do, where you work. Hey, Wong, thanks for having me on. Um, again, my name is Aaron Robles. I have a clinic here, I'm a physical therapist. And uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, and I actually got three locations now. So, um, what I am, I'm certified manual therapist in uh, functional mobilization through the Institute of Physical Art. And what we do is take the principles of PNF and uh, develop a, a dynamic uh, treatment and evaluation approach with using those principles for manual therapy to get hands-on, to get to the root of the problem faster. So for me, it really fit my brain and my hands well, and it's really made me successful in trying to get to the root of the problem, not just the diagnosis when patients come in. And how long have you been um, specialized, should I say? Well, I was, um, you know, I've been a therapist for over 25 years now, and probably in 24 and a half of those, I was training to be where I am now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. And, and school, I, um, you know, I had a direction of, you know, I knew I was good with my hands because all my classmates were asking me to help them. And I was like, okay. well, wait yeah. a second. I don't know anything more than you guys. We're classmates. And they're like, no, yeah. we can't do what you can do. We can't yeah. feel that. So I sought out what kind of treat training I could do that really fit my hands and my brains. Okay. So, so that's such a great, important point. So you knew that you were good with something right? and then you pick something where you could enhance that. Right. Exactly. Am I hearing you? Okay. Yeah. Cause 
I think that's important for people to hear because sometimes people want to be good at everything. Um, but sometimes when you, you do too much, you, um, you kind of, in a way water it down, but you, you specifically knew you were really good with hands, hands on type of stuff techniques. And so you, you sought that out. Did you find a mentor or well, did you with taking a, classes? Yeah, it started with a, um, a PT. We had an adjunct PT uh, instructor at my PT school. She was Maitland based, a lot of joint maintenance. So she took me and another therapist under my under the wing and showed us how to do those kind of things. Okay. From there, then I knew I was like, all right, this is what I how I want to. That do. that's what you liked. Well, I'm really excited to have you show us. Uh, some of the things that you do in your clinic, how did you get connected to occupational therapists in your area? Well, there's, um, well, actually it ended up um, being a patient of mine and now it's a patient slash friend. We got uh, really close there. OT is the best people to be friends with, They're just so social. <laughs> We're so much more fun, right? I try to tell all the PTs that I meet, I'm kidding. <laughs> We started, she, you know, she started having, she came to me for neck issues. Yes. And she had a long history of shoulder issues, but she's like, you know, when she first came in, she said, just don't touch my shoulder. And, you know, of course, me, I'm like, if you have an issue, let me see it. You know, kind of, <laughs> How can I, I get I, to the root cause of I your know, problem? Exactly. <laughs> I had to gain her trust, but then through that, she's like, because she's had bad experiences in the past with other therapists. PT and we all. She didn't want to have anybody touch it. As a therapist, she knew, you know, she's like, you have to prove it to me. And she's like, after the first visit, she's like, all right, can you check my shoulder out? And from there, she just, she just was like a sponge. She was like, okay, what are you doing there? How do you do that kind of thing? And she incorporated a lot of the principles and because she could have empathy now for her patients. Like, wow, this is going to hurt, but this is going to help you feel better. Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you, um, how difficult is it to treat another therapist? Uh, for myself, it's um, the hardest part is just, I have to tell them often. I said, okay, let me be the therapist because they'll tell me, okay, you know, it's my bothering me right here. It's this, you know, it's this, you know, skateboard and it's not extending and, and it's not letting me in my uh, room. Yeah. Let me to see what's happening. <laughs> yes, yes. That, working with other therapists <laughs> is so hard. It's so hard, but you also, because um, I've worked with other therapists, whether they're OTs or PTs um, or speech therapists, um, they have a tendency to, well, they have a tendency to maybe come in a certain way, right? But let me ask you, do you also have a tendency to think of them in a certain way? When uh, therapists come in? Yes, because you we can't help but make assumptions sometimes right well you're you're a therapist you make assumptions that they know certain things wouldn't right. you say yeah well there's things like um i learn a you know what assume right right <laughs> we're not supposed to assume we're not supposed <laughs> to assume but let's be but, honest we're human yep. beings i went through so i you know the good news is um I treat everyone whether I have, because I have a lot of doctors in town as well as patients, and I treat Those them- Those are worse right. too, no I'm kidding. They are terrible because they can't get in. They can't get in, you only have one shot at them typically. But once oh, you- then, oh. them, and 
once you combine them, like what I find, once you get past, uh, okay, um, they think they have insight, but once I find things on them, like, well, I didn't even know that bothered, bothered me. I didn't know that hurt. I didn't know that was an issue. So once I get into the treatment wise, then they're, they're like a regular patient. So that right. doesn't take long yeah. to transition. That. So yeah, it's the, they change the, their the, mindset as well. <laughs> that first visit. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Very cool. So yes, yeah, so, so the OT became your friend. She was your patient. Became, she became your yeah. friend. Exactly. So she's like, um, so she was really able to really expand her treatment when she's just took a lot of principles that she learned from me just from our treatments. Yes. So, and then if they go advanced, she's like, oh, you got to go see Aaron. So she will she'll transfer her patients over to me to get over all the hard things. And, okay. so, and then we'll take it from there. So she has a new grad um, OT that I was just kind of shadowing her over the last month. And he's like, how do you know how to do all these things? She's like, well, let me tell you who. And then she's like, can we set this up where um, I could show, you know, see how he does things and we're trying to for brainstorming how to do it and she was thinking well can you do a treatment on me and have him observe and that's how it started well it started from that to well we taught told a couple other ot's in our work and soon it was like two more three more and ended up being before you like, knew it you had a workshop a workshop class, <laughs> a therapist <laughs> And it was a great hit. It was very successful. I started with giving them some kind of basics with um, just manual therapy. Okay. And some things I'd like to share with you guys today. Yes, so please. So that the therapists that are watching, believe it or not, it's so funny, but I, you know, obviously I do speak to majority occupational therapists, occupational therapist assistants and stuff like that. But there's a lot of PTs, that, a small portion of PTs that do reach out to me because they want to specialize in hand therapy too. And then, um, you know, within our own, um, like ne my network of PTs that I know, um, they've some, sometimes when there's like little issues with like hand stuff, they've reached out to me too. So I think it's, it's a great uh, space to share knowledge and techniques. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. True. So show us, uh, who's your model there? Woohoo! Oh, this is Mark. Oh, yes. Hey, Mark. So I recruited him to uh, help us out. And um, Haley's our camera woman behind the scenes here. She'll be moving us around. <gasps> Haley, that's my daughter's name. I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hey, Haley. That's how I talk to my daughter. I turn on her third voice. Staley. It's no. <laughs> steady now, Haley. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, let me start with give you a couple principles here with manual therapy. So the first one is, um, like I alluded to, I naturally had a, the skill, man, which I didn't even know I had until you know um, it was compared to my other classmates. So that's when I sought it out further. So I, first thing everybody has to know, you have, you have to understand that it is a skill, but it is a skill that needs to be worked on and can be improved upon. So even if you don't have the natural um, propensity to feel it at first, you have to first understand that there you can and it is possible to do so. And once you do it, then you could actually work on it and feel it. So um, number one thing, manual therapy, here's the first principle, is what you're doing with it is end feel. So if you could think and feel, that's why I tell all my, if I have yes. PT students that come in town or in the classes I teach, if I ask you a question, 
if you answer Enfield, is going to be 99% right. So <laughs> what we're going to talk about is Enfield. Because okay, you can't perfect. really feel what's wrong. I mean, know what's wrong to really feel it, in my opinion. Yes. So every joint in the body, no matter where it is, whether it's mechanical and to joint-wise, articular surfaces, or soft tissue mechanical issues, you should have a springy Enfield. So that's what you want to make sure that all things, if you have no clue what's going on, especially with the wrist, with all the things going on in there, if you just poke around and you say, right, that is springy, springy, and that's hard, there's a dysfunction. And that's where you start. You don't even have to know what's going on with it. You don't have wait to know. A, wait a second, Aaron. So, <laughs> some, some directions, there's going to be a hard Enfield, though. It's majority springy. But some, some are hard end fields, wouldn't you say? No, I beg to differ. All <laughs> the joints, even in the elbow, this is where the elbow is a true hinge joint. It yes. is springy. If, it, if the joint okay. is moving in an efficient state, even though this is going to be a bone and bone uh, yes. situation, it will be springy at the end field if it's okay. moving efficiently. Okay, perfect. Oh, you That's see how I like, I like that? <laughs> I'd like to challenge you. <laughs> Okay, that's I good. Think Mark liked it too. Mark was like, oh, here he goes. Mark can answer these. He should be able to answer all these. Now, the main thing, I'm going to teach you guys something else. This is um, um, basically the three principles of all manual, I mean, all therapists, actually. So occupational and physical therapy. This, If you guys know this, you will know more than 99% of other therapists out there. We treat the three things in our professions, okay? We treat mechanical dysfunctions, we treat neuromuscular dysfunctions, and motor control dysfunctions, okay? If you understand, you, we do those three that, you know, give you a concept that ha that's how you get a person to the root of the problem, get the person better faster as well. Because mechanical is any kind of movement that is limited or just deficient. Right. Uh, neuromuscular is uh, whether you have a strength or um, flexibility issue and um, or endurance issue that you want to get to. Right. And the motor control is can you move it when you need it? Right. So yeah. I often give the example of having a soccer team. So if you could think of it this way, um, so the you know the difference is like a soccer team requires 11 people per team, right? Right. So mechanical issues like Two of your players got lost on the way to the field, and so now you're nine on 11. You know, right. can you function? Yes. Can you function well? No, you're, you're hampered because you don't have everything there. You don't have all your facilities. So the neuromuscular end is you have all 11 on the field. They all made it there, but they all stink. You know, they have no, <laughs> they have no dribbling skills. They can't shoot. They have no strength, and they really have no endurance. They, they, right. They can the barely run across the field. Exactly. So when you get to motor control issues, you have 11 players on the field. They're all excellent skilled. They can go through every drill, every possibility. They have all the strength. They can run all day long. The only problem is they don't know their positions. You have the goalkeeper running down after the ball on the other side of the field and nobody's right. protecting the goal. Yeah. And nobody knows how to play defense or offense. And that's right. where we have to incorporate those three principles. And that's our pillars of our treatments. I understand that we can get to the root of the problem so much faster. Right? Yeah, I love your analogy. <laughs> okay. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so 
Well, I'm going to use Mark for. So one of the main things for manual therapy. So once you get to understand this is and feel, is it's important with the tactile cueing that you give patients. So if you've taken NDT or any PNF, you'll understand some of this. Uh, what we're going to show you. Okay. So uh, with Mark, I'm going to raise it up a little bit. Okay. So if you can see here, Mark is right-handed. Okay. Even though he's my example. He doesn't know what I'm doing and tell what to do. Okay, so he's a little bit higher. Okay, so you can see this. So what I'm going to do is, Mark, I want you to hold your hand there. I'm going to try to pull down any problems with your shoulder issues. No. Any no. excuses you're going to have. Okay, good. I don't think so. All right, so now I'm going to have him hold here. So this is one of my pre-post tests. I always pre and post test my patients. One of the things I want to show you is this. Hold it there. Don't let me pull you down. And come on, Mark, are you serious? Is that all you got? This, everybody's watching. That's pretty sad. He's not a good example, or he is a really good example. Okay, now I'm going to show the principle which is unintended. We'll see if it happens. I'm going to look up at your hand, put your weight into your left foot, push down, and look up at your hand. Now don't let me pull you down. And now he's a lot stronger. Okay, that was an unintended PNF principle I wanted to show you, but it's about the pattern. Now don't look at your hand, Mark. Okay, now hold it there, and he can't do it. He has nothing. So he's missing, unless he consciously engages his core to help protect him, he can't hold his shoulder up there. That's not what I was trying to teach you today. Let me show you something else. Hold it up, look it up there, hold it there, don't let it down. So he has it. Don't change a thing. Keep looking out there. Now what I'm going to do is different. Hold it there, don't let it down. And again, he's weak. But he's looking at your hand this time. Hold it there. He's now looking at your hand. So what was the difference? Yeah, I don't know if you can see it. A little bit higher. Oh, I can see it. So my, can you see my hand here? So uh -huh. I'm giving a whole circumferential um, tactile sense to him, and he can't hold it. But if right. I just put my surface oh, on Oh, okay. Then he was able to. I'll hold it there. He has it there. It was a very important, our tactile sense. So we want to make sure, if we're trying to find weakness in a patient, that it's actually in the patient and not us. Not in our, yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So another thing here is this. So if we're testing the shoulder um, muscles, and he's just weak here, we want to isolate the shoulder um, muscle groups that actually is his weakness. Okay? Hold it there, Mark, don't let push down. Again, my tactile sense is here. If I push my down, he's strong. If I just wrap my fingers down, push down, and he's a lot weaker. Yeah. So make sure we the intended motion. Even if I say, you know, push down, Mark, and I push down, even my my tactile and verbal sense, uh, verbal cues are contradicting each other. He's yes. going to go my tactile sense. That yes. Sense? So yeah. Now, if I say hold it there, he's strong. If I put my hand on his deltoid, which is holding there, and test him again, he stays the same. It really doesn't yeah. change. Right. Now if I put my hand on his scapular stabilizers, okay, which is here and back, now hold it there, Mark, and now he's weak, okay? So what happened? What does that mean, okay? So when I put my hand on a muscle group here, he's in the deltoids, he's strong. If I put on the scapula, he's weak. So it may seem that it's a scapular stabilizer, it's not the deltoids. But if I put my hand on a muscle, we want to do, we're adding another tactile sensation to that to help 
enhance that traction. So if I'm putting my hands on his deltoids and he can hold it, this is his weakness. Okay. If I'm putting it on his scapula and pushing down, and it doesn't make a difference, then it's not a scapula. And that's the basis of K tape. If you know all the K tape, yeah. you can mm -hmm. tape. It's that add that tactile cueing yes. to that muscle. So it's working yeah. with the hands. So you can initiate that as well to figure out where is his weakness into where it is, you know, you are putting your hand on there. If they're stronger with your hand on there, that is the muscle that you have to target for strengthening ones. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the first, that's the first you know, primary principle. So now with Enfield, no matter whether it's soft tissue or whether it's a joint, it has to be springy. So if it's a springy Enfield, and it moves like it's supposed to. If it's not, like here, this is his hamate. So that's right now is not springy. Mm -hmm. You feel that? Yeah. And it's in an extension. You could also yeah. do an inflection. And that's what you want to do. Feel yeah. the end feel. So if you can feel the end feel, and you have to understand if you don't have ideas of what that means, is you know, find and you have to practice that. Every joint, when you go to the end, it should just bounce back, just like yeah. if you were down on a soft surface. It should be bouncing. It shouldn't be like on my desk and pushing yeah, hard. Yeah, it's hard. Do you recommend for people to kind of feel on themselves or feel on a normal joint so that they can get an idea of what that springiness or that right. normal exactly. sensation feels like? That's normally what I do is just you know, test on yourself, like see how your joints move or like even your wrist, you should feel it a certain way. Or you can test on someone else who quote unquote doesn't have a problem, right? right. Um, that way you can learn what normal feels like so that you can know what abnormal feels like. That is a, that is a, that's the best point in terms of manual therapy. So yeah. how do you know how many dysfunctions there are? You can't memorize them all, but if you know what it's supposed to feel like, Yes. you know it's not there, then you know right. there's something wrong. You know, you know something is wrong. Even if you don't know how to fix it. <laughs> like, that's something wrong there. Your hand ain't supposed to move, Mark. Uh, I think you got wrist problems. <laughs> so this is something that, to follow up with what you're saying, you could feel with soft tissue on yourself. Yes. So when you push, like if I push to a certain area and I engage my soft tissue myofascial, I should be springy. But you yes. could even see it's hard. I don't know if I could see that. But you could see that I have a little mole here. If I push this way, the mole moves away from me. If I push this way, the mole goes closer to my finger. Yeah. A hard end. So yeah. that's what you're looking for yeah. in the soft tissue. Yeah. Do you have people look around too? Because we work with a lot of people and then we, it's not just where you're pushing, but like around because you're oh, yeah. it's supposed to move and there's a certain amount of tension that's supposed to move everywhere. And when you can see when you're pushing in different directions, like certain spots, if there's a dysfunction, it just doesn't move. Right, exactly. The that's the hard end feel. And that's what yeah. you're doing. That's what yeah. you're feeling. So yeah, all yeah. those myofascial soft tissues should be free flowing. Free, yeah. And that's how you isolate the beam motion. If it's moving, if it's moving in this direction um, distally, that's what's dysfunctional. And then you get to isolate even further. Is it more distally to the left or to the right? Even yes. Yeah. Hardest end feel is the hardest um, in the most restricted area, and that's what you want to hit first. Yeah. So now the next principle I want to show you, which is 
this um, foundational for the shoulder complex and the shoulder mm -hmm. joint. The most important motion that you have to engage with the shoulder to get the full mechanical issue because you know, you guys understand the shoulder's the most mobile joint in the body, obviously it's gonna be the most um, complicated part because of that, especially through pain in it, is inferior glides. If you could get that articular surface to inferior glide, and that's the first thing I have yet over 25 years to have a patient have any kind of pain or upper cord or dysfunction and not have this issue. So if you could get this issue, down, they'll you know not only impingement but every other motion in terms other, of yeah. the carpal tunnel syndromes. This affects yeah. Okay, so yeah. let me show you how to do this. Okay, cool. This right here, this chair. Put your arm on the shoulder. Can you come a little bit closer now? So oh, right there. So now what I try to do is get the table up. Oh, you so fancy. Look at you with your uh... table up here in this motion. <laughs> body mechanics. It's all about body mechanics. I tell you. So now, what I want to do is take his plenumal joint and just glide it in through and feel his end. If I push straight down, again, I want to get to his end range. So that's it in the spring end. And once it, it should be springy. It's not really springy. It's kind of hard, but not too bad. Mark, what's wrong with you, man? Is Aaron making you work so hard that <laughs> you're <bo> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah. So uh, one of the pre-test post-tests I like to do to see if I'm not effective here or not is do a passive abduction with the palm down. So relax for me, Mark, let me do it for you. So if I bring him up, I'm going to feel where the first tension he gets and it's right about there. So he's about okay. 110, 115, where he's getting tension. I mean, okay. I could through it. You could, but you can That's feel the restriction. Right, I want to feel the first tension is right there, his first restriction. Yeah. If I okay. through it, but he's only there. He's only about 125, 130. Yeah. At the moment, he's yeah. Through. That's his, my pretest. You know, obviously I, sh I do active and then show them the difference between active and passive because they get circumduct and move around that dysfunction, which you don't know. So if I push down, so obviously he has a shoulder glenohumeral um, dysfunction. I push straight down, it's kind of hard. I give it, you know, a medium dysfunction there. But if I push more anteriorly, it's hard. It's much yeah. harder. He doesn't move nothing. I don't know if you can see it. And if I push him posteriorly, he yeah, has bounce. You can even see it in his body. It's so if you take if you take a look at his shoulder. Right, it's uh, like I always describe that as a clock. So if you're pushing straight down versus like you're you're pushing a little bit more to no, you're pushing downward. But instead of it being like six o'clock, you're pushing a little bit more, more five o'clock. Right, exactly. And then so, you're pushing posterior. You're pushing uh, seven or eight o'clock. Correct. So I mean, just just as a description for everyone who's watching that might not be able to. You're exactly see. right. That's what I'm doing. I'm first assessing 12 to 6 if I'm looking straight yes. at the clock in this motion here. Yeah. He has a moderate, I mean, you can see it. He, If I push straight down, he has a lot of moderate restriction here. If I push straight down toward, uh, starting at 12, now I'm going toward um, 7 o'clock. 7. Mm -hmm. so it's an inferior glide with a posterior um, bias. He is much springier. So, I mean, yeah. you can actually see his body spring. Yeah. But if I go now toward five o'clock from 12, right. 
has an inferior body with an anterior bias, he is hard. I mean, that's yeah. it. I mean, it's yeah. solid. Yeah. yeah. So the good news is um, that's easy to find. And yeah. the bad news is, you know, this is on every patient you're going to have. They're going to have this issue. Otherwise, they wouldn't be seen. Okay. So yeah. now, yeah. The, the simple treatment with this is I'm going to push them down to that end range. Okay. I'm going to have them there. And then I'm just going to hold that end range. Okay. And we're just going to hold it there. Sometimes that's all you need, just a prolonged hold, and the joint will go. So the principles that we adhere to is we hold it. And if it doesn't move, then we do add some either indirect or direct mobility to get it moving. So direct molding, I just kind of oscillate into that mm -hmm. joint. You can mm -hmm. do this with every joint in the body. Just oscillate to see yeah. if it helps move. Okay? If it's too painful, then you have him do something more indirectly. I can hold it there and say, you know, Mark, take a deep breath on me. As he takes a deep breath, he's actually mobilizing his into, yeah. I love deep breathing. They're doing that. They're just thinking, oh, I'm holding my breath. Okay, I could have them also just do an internal external rotation. Lift your hand up and down off the table for me. We have a little bit of motion. And I could, what I'm feeling for it is that hard end feel improving, and it is. Now it's improving. Now that's good. So that's, that's more of an indirect pressure. I go back and reassess, and he actually has some motion now. Can you feel the difference, Mark? Yeah. He actually is moving better, and that's all I did. What was that? 30 seconds worth yeah. of treatment, and he's got yeah. a better glide. So this is something that you could take straight down right now in all your patients and assess it and have them feel better already. So now what I want to do is see how much motion he has, and that is a lot better in terms of just, in general, big motion. So I want to retrain that motion because every time you get a new range, we want to train that range or else they'll lose it again. So I asked Mark, hold it. I'm going to push him down to that new range, anterior toward five o'clock. I say, hold it there, Mark. I'm going to switch my hands and don't let me pull you up. So now he's going to do a little shaking. I don't know if you can see him, but he's a little shaking because he hasn't activated these muscles in a long time. Right. I'm just pulling straight up. What I'm doing is just taking my hands and just pulling up. Careful, break your plexus under here. Pull down and put them back down. Hold it there again, Mark. Don't let me lift you up. Again, prolong holes. And the best way to initiate and to engage muscles is in prolonged holes, especially if they haven't gotten a while. And then have them do uh, some concentric eccentric. I mean, work. Let me pull you up slowly. Eccentric. Now pull back down. Let me pull you up an inch more and pull back down. Now pull and punch in more and pull back down. Now let me pull you all the way up and pull all the way down. Pull all the way up and all the way down. Very good. Now he has that motion. Because with impingement, you know, it has to have that interior glides. Inferior yeah, glides so what we're establishing. Now mm -hmm. you have to establish his reconnection to his brain, to his shoulder to get those muscles to automatically do So with that treatment, I'm going to reassess his passive range. Let me move you, please. Okay, relax. Until I feel tension. And now it's right here until I feel tension. So it's a lot better. He started at probably 110, 115. Now he's probably about 140 or so. Still hard and feel here, so he needs a little bit more work. But yeah. that is no much here already for his shoulder. And that didn't take long to do, as long as we know what we're targeting. So what my homework for him is, now, because his shoulder 
impingement issues, Mark, I want you to think about when you lift the tool there up, you're supposed to automatically do this, raise it up. You're not doing that. So anytime you're going to raise up, I want you to think about dropping the shoulder and then keep going up for Make sense? So do abduction for me. When you get about 110 there, drop your shoulder there and keep going. Very good. That's something he has to think about to do first and then until it's automatic and he can actually do it without. Cool. Very nice. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Very awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking all that time. Yeah. to show all of Mark's dysfunction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for the world to see. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no problem. I got a pre-treatment. I'm good to go for another two days. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, well, I really appreciate you sharing a lot of what you know. It's funny because sometimes when we've been doing it for a while, we have our version of saying it, or maybe we do certain things and we don't know why we're doing it. And I think that a lot of what you spoke about today um was a great way for people to really remember and think about that because sometimes when I'm training my own team and I'm talking about like where are you touching people why um like I really like the way you explained that like about you know because I I talk about that too and like hand placement and you shouldn't be grabbing people and stuff like that but I really liked how you explained it and kind of really tied into like your your specialty your uh, functional manual specialty. How can people learn more about like your specialty that you've been spending the last 25 years, uh, you know? Oh, yeah. Through, um, well, there's classes that um, will teach these principles and um, they're, they were um, founded by Greg and Vicki Johnson and they're out of Colorado Springs. I mean, uh, Steamboat Springs in Colorado. Okay. And um, their organization is called the Institute of Physical Art, and their courses are open to OTs as well as PTs. Especially, there are several courses that we're actually hosting a course here in um, uh, like three weeks, and it's the upper trunk. So everything from upper trunk um, manual techniques and how to understand a paradigm of how to work on the mechanical, the neuromuscular and the motor control issues in the same treatment and evaluation approach. And that's what helps with this, um, with me and my brain, because I can't think about, you know, one, two, three, four. And I was like, you know what? All I can do, I know that's not moving. I know to get it. <laughs> <And moving>. I, <laughs> that's I that's awesome. <laughs> I like that. But simple is, you know, sometimes the best. Um, now, I, I want to ask you real quick, is this a, like, I've seen certain um, manual certifications, right? The one that you're recommending, the one that you've done, is it a series of just classes that you can take over time? Or is it like a certification program where you're taking it almost like within a year that um, gives you certain letters behind your name and stuff like that? Right, and that's 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 good to question. Uh, this certification is actual. Um, I think they may have changed it because they've expanded the course schedule. But they were when I took it, there's eight courses you have to take. So if you're taking one two year, that's going to at least be you know four years plus. Yeah, no, it it takes time to develop specialties. You know, right. it takes time to develop specialties, and I think that's what people need to realize. It's just not like a one time wham bam, thank you ma'am type of course those courses can be great like online courses can be great or you know very 
targeted specific courses can be great, but um, certifications take a lot longer. Um, certifications that are worthwhile for sure. Yeah. So, but it's it's worth it's like one of those things where you can take a series of courses over a period of time um, to get that specialty. Right. That's that's the one you did, right? Yes. Um, so. I studied for over 10 years to make sure I got it now. Yeah. No, I knew this is the way I wanted to treat. So I wanted to, yeah. for myself, see if I've accomplished that level of uh, competency and expertise in this since I wanted to be, you know, this is, again, I said, hey, I'm treating this way it's no way. matter what. Yeah, like no, for sure. And I think, you know, when it comes to becoming a certified hand therapist, we tend to focus a ton more on post-surgical cases Mm -hmm. versus like non-surgical cases. Now there's a lot that we do in non-surgical cases, but it's not very targeted specifically to a different, uh, to a particular technique, but more um, like the background, the biomechanics of how everything moves and how it affects each one of them, but so much about um, the certification to be specialized in hand therapy is about treating post-surgical and oh, yeah. all the, you know, versus like the non-surgical, but I, we do a ton of non-surgical here right. at my clinic too. And I think it's a great way for OTs to, um, to treat because not everyone has surgery not everyone needs surgery. And there's a ton of people with upper extremity, upper trunk, upper body types of issues that really need our specialty. Um, and there's a lot of different things, just like what you said. Uh, and part of it's you have your observational skills, but then you have your tactile skills, and right. then you have your communication skills. Can I and tell them all the time, skills. what we have to do is we have to enable them to move before we can expect them to move. You can't yeah. say, oh, you know, your wrist is weak, let's do some exercises. Yeah. But if they can't fully extend, you know, yeah. they're not going to get the full benefits from those ex strengthening exercises. No, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I really thank you. I'm going to include um, your links below. So anyone who's interested in finding out more about um, your clinic and um, the courses that you recommend to take, I'll include all of that in the links below. And I hope that in your area, you continue to support OTs and potentially even hire an OT one day in all of your clinics. <laughs> you can totally expand into tons of surgical stuff too. I can talk to you about all of that. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoy. Thank you very much. Appreciate what were you going to say? said, I always enjoy <clears throat> the camaraderie with other therapists. And this is where I feel like we could all help each other, you know, understand more about uh, getting our patients better faster. Yeah, totally. I believe it. I believe it. Become the critical thinker, problem solver, and decision maker so that you can help any patient that comes your way and skyrocket your career in hand therapy.